Hello and welcome to the Viva Wellness Podcast. My name is Jarrell. And Rachel, thank you for joining us. We hope you're staying healthy and sane as this is week 8 million and 2 of the coronavirus pandemic, mm. especially if you're in one of those states that is just now seeing a peak. We hope you're staying healthy and wearing a mask. That's the end of the PSA. Yes. But it does lead into what we want to talk about today, which is something that we have gotten questions on from clients and just people in general before all this started, but I think it's really pressing now that we've been in a crisis for so long, is what do you do when, you, when you're concerned with someone else's mental health? Your friend, family member, partner, what do you do when you don't think someone in your life is okay? And where do you draw the line potentially between, oh, they're just having a bad day versus I need to do a stronger intervention? Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing to make the distinction between is we're going to put kind of a disclaimer here that says, obviously, anything that involves suicidal ideation, a suicide attempt, um, overdose, almost overdose, anything like that is a, med- is a medical emergency. That should yeah. be treated as a medical emergency in the same way that you treat someone if they were having a heart attack in the next room. Right. And I think that's the only thing that we want to say on that is just to really highlight the seriousness of if it gets to that level, that's a medical emergency. Yeah. I think what ends up happening is that a lot of the questions come when it's not that serious of like, how do, okay, so what's the difference between someone's having a bad day and I should leave them alone versus somebody's been having a bad few weeks and I don't really know if this is just life is sucking right now or if they're really struggling. Mm. What would you say for you, Jarrell, your line is? Like if someone were to ask you that question, what would, I mean, there's no easy explanation, but like what would be the simple explanation that you would give somebody? generally speaking like if they're whether someone is like in trouble or like if it's just a bad day that's actually a good question so maybe we'll start with that how would you define someone being in trouble yeah i mean i think that's that's the question is like i think that for me when i think that someone's in trouble i look at like, are they functioning as they normally would? Or like mostly functioning as they normally would or not? And like, how how different is that functioning? Because let's say, let's say someone is, you know, of a general, like they have a fair mood, they're going to work, they're able to hold discussions, they're able to do all these like regular day-to-day things uh, that's necessary. I might, they still could be struggling or they still could be dealing with some difficult things. I don't, I don't know that I'd say they were in trouble, right? If, so, yeah, so go ahead. So if, if that person was um, all of a sudden kind of like calling out of work or uh, not returning phone calls at all, sort of disappearing and isolating. Um, I I would probably say that that, I think my friend is in trouble and they need me to do something. 
Got it. So for you, once you get past that emergency level, for you, the next level would be they're not in danger, but they're not really doing themselves any favors in terms of maintaining the things that are valuable to them in life. Right. And I need to be actively involved in addressing that. Right. Because I feel like that's a good point and that that's almost like the next tier of emergency where their being is not in danger. Right. But, you know, if I would agree with that. If it's something where you're seeing somebody and they're like, yeah, I haven't gone to work for the last four days and they don't have the flu or strep throat. And you're right. like, why? Oh, cause I didn't feel like it. Oh, cause I couldn't get out of bed. Okay. Right. Cause at that point, like maybe something needs to happen. Right. Because yeah. it might be a situation in which they could then end up losing their job or right. if they're, you know, not going to appointments or, you know, maintaining relationships in a certain way. Right. I'm also envisioning like for more of a social side of things mm-hmm. that like, a family event, right? For some reason, I'm going to like, you miss your best friend's wedding or like right. you miss your brother's bachelor party. Right. Or like you just bail out on your dad's birthday and it's like, whoa, okay. You, it's yeah, because to me, it's like something that's that level importance mm-hmm. of either work or a big social event that is meaningful to someone and mm-hmm. maybe would normally be to them. Right. I'm with you in saying that like that's, whoa, you can't even get it together to be present at that. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's not, that's not good news. Right. Right. So given that that's kind of the next level of emergency, what would you say to somebody who describes their loved one being in that stage? What would you advise them to do? Well, I think I would try and talk to them about, I guess, accurately assess like what has actually been going on for that person and what they've observed. And, and then depending on the situation and the specifics of that, I might say, okay, here's some things you might want to try doing. Um, you might try like a very sort of gentle approach to sort of say like, Hey, I'm maybe I'm going to come over tomorrow and I'm going to bring dinner and, or um, you might take a more active approach and just like, pop up and be like, I'm here, open the door. Um, We're going to talk now. Uh, I think it really depends on what the, what the relationship is and what is going on with that person. And and obviously what they are more likely to respond to given the circumstances. Yeah. I would say that that's probably fair, that that feels like that's the intervention time, Right. right? Not to say, be like, Hey, you know, do you need to talk to somebody? Can I get you help you get set up with a therapist? Like, can we do that this week? Can we find somebody that's willing to talk to you and set up an appointment within the next week? Is that something you're willing to do? For me, this might be a time where if I know, you know, if it's a friend and I know their family, maybe I'm calling them Yeah. and saying, Hey, it's, you know, Rachel, so-and-so's friend. Like, I really think, that they're in trouble mom of said person like I just Mm -hmm. wanted you to know Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's definitely the time to elevate it to seriousness of like okay like you said we're doing something right now yeah I think it's that like the point I guess if I were to like summarize it is like I think if someone's in trouble that means it's like okay we're in active mode Right. It's like we're going to be very like a bit more active and saying like, OK, you need something. I'm going to help you get that something. And we're going to work on that like now or in the suit, like in the immediate kind of future, you know, like yeah. um, whereas that might not be an emergency. I, I guess I see it as urgent. 
right? Yeah. Um, like this requires attention and like it has to be this very intentional kind of attention, not just like, oh yeah, like I, I know you're not feeling well or like you haven't been to work, um, but let me know if you need to talk. Like right. that's, that's probably not going to be the thing that's gonna, that they really need in that moment. That makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. So that would be the next tier. And I think something you said about it being the specifics being very individualized is a theme, I feel like what we're gonna go with. Yeah. But so I feel like after this tier, mm -hmm. somehow I've made this into a pyramid without mm -hmm. meaning to, but after this level, I feel like this is where it gets messier. Yeah, for sure. In terms of- Cause it's closer to normal, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah. And because it is so, individualized not just in like what do you do about it but also because what is somebody's cry for help behavior mm -hmm. can be someone else's normal yeah for sure and i think that's where it's also hard to maybe even recognize how bad a situation is because for you even as the person who's assessing it the behavior that they're engaging in because they're not doing well might be something like you willingly do on your own mm -hmm. for fun mm -hmm. and before like people are raising their eyebrows of like what is something that someone does that's signifying them having a hard time that I might do for fun I will use a real life example in that earlier this year I had a pretty bad injury and I say pretty bad because I can walk and it opened up a, a lot of different stuff for me plus the fact that I could not move and I spent four hours maybe I'm just ballparking in the multiple mornings in a row in bed watching television mm -hmm. so to some people that feels like wow that sounds great what a nice staycation mm -hmm. for me i don't do that right it's such a big shift for you right i don't do that and that has also been something that historically it, it not intentionally but that's just kind of where i go right like i just shut down like i don't want to talk to anybody i don't want to move and but that's so unlike me but whereas you could talk to someone else and they're like a morning of four hours binge watching a show, that sounds like every Saturday. Right. So if someone were to say, you know, oh, so-and-so is really not doing well, they've just been watching movies for six hours and they haven't moved from the couch, that in and of itself might not be enough to raise a red flag, which is where I think the individual approach is mm -hmm. really important and almost mandatory here that you're not judging people's behavior as this kind of objective assessment of what's okay and what's not. Because after you get past the in trouble versus urgent levels, this is where it's like, oh, that's very out of character. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the most helpful thing to consider, I think, for people. So everyone who's listening, I think it's important to consider what difference do you see and observe? Right, and that, that let that be your barometer of like, oh, this person used to do this all the time and now all of a sudden they don't seem to be doing this. That's probably a space for you to like ask some questions or like get involved. Yeah, and the getting involved piece I think is what's often difficult for people because you know, what I describe even personally is a big shift, right, that yeah, I would, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to say that, like, I assume someone would notice because I live with someone who noticed mm -hmm. because they're in my house. But it's also something where that's pretty drastic. 
Mm. Right. Like, and obviously the thing I described that happened, hopefully is not happening to people or the equivalent is not happening to people on a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. Right. I hope we're not all splitting our bones just like on the regular. And so I think I would almost put that into the, I was like, how many are we on the third tier Mm. of if you know, someone close to you has experienced something acute and not good. I'm not even going to like call it drastic, just not good. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the time to check in on that. And that's the time to also be mindful, right? Like if you know someone's been stuck at home because they've had you know, coronavirus, for example, very timely mm-hmm. for the last two weeks. And you also, you know, once they get better and they're not sick anymore, you're still seeing a difference. Like I feel like that event is code for look out for this person. Yeah. And then it's much easier that once you kind of attune yourself to that potential change, like almost like a red flag, you can then say, okay, this person had this happen to them, right? My friend just broke up with their partner. They just lost a job. They just had to move apartments unexpectedly and it was super stressful. They're had a, they had a falling out with a sibling, you know, whatever it is, there's this acute event that I think once you know about it, it's once you're mindful of it, you can more easily make that shift to say, oh, wow, that happened. Now let me kind of keep an eye on them to see if I notice anything out of character mm-hmm. and then I can go from there. Mm-hmm. So acute events, um, we're totally making this up as we go. I did not have this tiered system before we started this conversation, yeah. but I think it works. So I think then I'm going to group like everything else into the last category, which is probably the biggest category. This is actually becoming a pyramid because I'm not very artistically um, minded. So it's nice when things like this work out. But the bottom level would be day-to-day stuff, Mm. right? Stressful work presentations. If you know, you know, somebody who's going through a hard time with their partner, but it's not the end of their relationship, right? Conflict with a friend, Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed. Um, And actually, I was gonna, I thought of something else, but I'm gonna put this in the other category. Um, If your close friend or family member just had a baby, let's put that in the past category, please check in on them. Yeah, generally speaking. Um, But anything that's kind of more day to day stuff, that isn't necessarily this like, acute shift in their world but it's just kind of things that they deal with on a regular basis right maybe their boss is awful Mm. and every once in a while they have to interact with them more maybe they're really not happy with work but they have to stick it out Uh, maybe they're going through some financial stuff right now people who have a chronic illness and they're having a harder time things like that where it's not Mm -hmm. anything new but it's still life right and I actually think this is where a lot of people feel overlooked because what it looks like from the surface is just like, oh, well, that person deals with that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but does that make it easier? Right. And so how are we helping, right? If you kind of know, you know, and it's something too that requires mindfulness, I feel like, and it's easy to really overlook it or to forget about it because it just seems like the status quo Mm -hmm. you know once you get used to something in your life you just kind of expect it right if you're a new york city commuter for example in the morning rush hour back in the before time you just kind of expected that your train is going to be super crowded 
-hmm. You're going to be in someone's armpit. People are going to bump into you and it's bothersome, but I feel like that's a good example of one of those things where we just kind of expect it. And so it like, you know, who still is bothered by their morning commute by 1130 in the morning? Mm. Probably not that many people, but like when it's happening, you're like, oh, this is terrible. But then it kind of fades away. And I think the first step is to be really attentive and make sure you're listening to somebody that if they tell you something like that, like, oh yeah, you know, my boss is up to it again, that you're not just overlooking it mm -hmm. because they're making a process comment, but at the same time, that's hard. And I think this is where pausing can help. And Jarell, I know you did a little plug for Instagram right now. Um, a post, it was, on, it was on the blog post too, yes? About active listening? Yes. Okay, both. Yeah, both. <laughs> on how to listen. And yeah. so I feel like those tips can really come in handy in this situation as well. Yeah, I mean, I think one, just like asking is like that foundational kind of skill just to be like, hey, like, how are you feeling? What's What's been going on for you? Um, and then I think if you can couple that with some of those really foundational active listening skills, I think that that really communicates that you care and that you're invested. And I think most of us really just want to be seen and heard, especially with those things, like the majority of things we deal with that are those daily kind of stressors or kind of ongoing issues, because they usually don't have fixes attached to them or like actual solutions. And so the best thing that you can really do is to create space for people and in that space, really be present and really be listening. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll link to that blog post because I think it'll be really helpful. It might seem overly simplistic, um, but you might be surprised how often we don't practice active listening skills in day-to-day -day life. Yeah, it's definitely something that I feel like because we're rushing from one thing to the mm -hmm. next, like we hear the person, but we don't actually let it sink in. Like, oh, they just told me they got into yet another fight with their father. Right. That was probably hard for them. Maybe I should have asked how they're doing, right? Yeah. Maybe they were giving me that opening and I kind of closed the door on them without yeah. needing to. Yeah. So that's kind of the best advice when like Gerald said, we'll link to it in the show notes of that, how, of that idea of how how do you know, right? Assuming nothing acute, nothing tragic, nothing emergent is going on. How do you know? Because I think that is how that comes up. It's very subtle. And so the next question then becomes, what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. And I feel like when people answer this question, if you were to say, how would you support a friend or family member, whoever, a lot of people kind of go down this generic ish list right? Mm. Oh, I'd give them a hug. Oh, I would send them a text. Oh, I would do this, whatever. Yeah. Okay. All of those things are super helpful. Right. But that could really apply to anyone. Mm -hmm. And most people are different, yeah. especially when they're not doing well. And, you know, I'm going to do another plug for the blog post. This is not intentional, I promise. But I wrote one a while back on, is there a right way to help? Mm -hmm. And spoiler, the answer is no. And we can link to that in the show notes so you can see why. But everyone's different. And so when someone's struggling, what one person would want is not necessarily what the next person would want. And whereas any effort is better than no effort. Yeah. 
it is also significantly more helpful to know what that person would need. Because I think the generic advice is like, oh, I would do, you know, I would make sure, I would make sure they knew I was there and ask if they were okay and send positive affirmations. It's like, no, 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 not everybody wants that. Yeah. Some people might, that yeah. might be what someone needs, right? And that's completely valid, but that's not everyone. And even within those categories, I think there's a lot of differences, right? Because even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, yeah, there are definitely circumstances in which like positive affirmations would make me give like a middle finger to my phone if I got it via text. Mm -hmm. But there are also times where I, for example, like if I'm managing a chronic pain flare, I just want someone to tell me that I can do it. Right. Right. Like I don't need the actual, it's, it's kind of funny. The thing that pisses me off the most is I just like said with the positive affirmations is when people are like, Oh, you know, you'll be okay. Or it's all right. No, it's not all right. But, uh, but a side little like detour from that is that what I'm usually feeling is that like, why bother? Like I'm exhausted. I don't think I can do it. Just tell mm -hmm. me, like, give me that reminder. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's technically like a positive affirmation motivation thing, but mm -hmm. I just highlighted that there are two very different ways to go about that in that category. Mm. And one would be not helpful and one would be super helpful. And I feel like that's just, that's not just me being really annoying and picky. I feel like most people probably have a similar experience. Yeah. And I, I can't help but think as we're talking about making sure that you're having this sort of like individualized approach I can't help but think that one of the places to start is to think about like the love languages mm. right um because so this is like generally for a person right usually uh so for people who are unfamiliar there's like a relationship centered quiz that asks you what are your five love languages or which is your which is your love language and it's there's five love languages yeah you rank you rank them right like yeah. Five, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, it, like you take this quiz and it ranks them. And so then you have this answer of like, oh, my primary love language is words of affirmation. And then maybe my second one is quality time. Right. And so it's the way I've oft often explained this to people is that. So as Rachel just said, if you do any of those love languages, right, if you give them a gift, if you perform an act of service, if you give them physical touch or quality time or word of affirmation, all of that's going to be good, right? Anything positive is going to be good. But if you can tap into that individual person's kind of primary love language or one of those top two, then it's gonna feel that much more supportive and caring coming from you. And so, I kind of think of, I've explained this in the past because I am me uh, in this way is that, so it's kind of like, and I'm not comparing the quality of these two things. So for all you New Yorkers, like, don't at me. Um, Am I about to get mad? I mean, maybe. Right. Um, again, I'm not comparing the quality. So let me, let me say that again. I'm not comparing the quality. I'm comparing the size. So it's kind of like if someone wants to give me a treat, like a red velvet cupcake is going to be great, right? However, if someone gives me uh, like a baked by Melissa red velvet cupcake or someone gives me a crumbs red velvet cupcake. Oh, crumbs, RIP. Oh yes, RIP. Then <laughs> like I'm going to be happier with the crumbs cupcake just because it's bigger. There's more of that for me to consume. 
I'm still going to be happy because either way, I get a red velvet cupcake, but there's like one is going to be better for me. And so that's how I think about love languages is like all of that's going to be good. But if you really want to hit my spot, then like that, like there's one that's going to be better than the other one. That is a really good point. And I will continue that in terms of dessert because why mm. not and food. Mm. But yeah, it's like there, that would be the difference between someone knowing that like food is a love language for me, especially when I'm not having a good time. Because a lot of the stuff, it's like I, I'll blame being a therapist, is that I can recognize like I don't necessarily need a solution. Yeah, I know yeah. in the back of my head that it will pass and I'll manage it, but I just want a little help doing it. Right, and right. you know what helps? Ice cream. <laughs> like ice cream helps. Yeah. And so bringing me ice cream of like, oh, here, I heard you were having a bad day. That would be great. But if you bring me Van Leeuwen, mm -hmm. now I feel like I have all the warm fuzzies and mm -hmm. I have ice cream. Right. Because not only do you know, like everyone loves ice cream, but rather, you know, oh, this was her favorite ice cream. Yeah. And that's what I went out of my way to get. Right. It's specific so, to you. Exactly. And so I think it brings that, that like extra edge of not only did this person know that I was having a hard time and wanted to make a gesture, which is amazing, but they also took the time to think about what gesture would be best for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that is often the difference between something that, you know, and I don't want to diminish any gesture because, you know, the fact that you would do anything is amazing. But I think that's what can really make the difference between something where somebody feels like marginally better and versus mm -hmm. much better. Right. Right. And I think to, to kind of zoom out from that idea a little bit to go back to one of those other like potential strategies that I was kind of saying, like for instance, showing up to someone's house, right? Right. Like if you, I don't care what space I'm in, if you show up at my house, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> I might need it, but I'm going to be annoyed. Right. But if you, if someone said to me, Oh, like they texted me and saying like, listen, I know you're not in a good space. I'm letting you know I'm on my way down at least I have that preparation that's gonna make me less annoyed, right. <laughs> right? And so it really does depend on the person, even if they're not in like a good space, it's like thinking about them specifically and what will be helpful to them uh, is, is always better than some something you saw generically posted on Instagram or whatever. Yeah, and I think the obvious question that comes up for, or might be coming up for people is how do we know, yeah. right? How do you know that they need a text before you come over. And obviously that works depending on how well you know the person. You might have just been friends or close for so long that you just know. But I think it's also important to have conversations like this before you get to a point mm -hmm. where that person is in some type of crisis, right? Like if you know that there's an ongoing issue with a friend at work and it keeps popping up and they have an awful time whenever they have to talk to this coworker or have a meeting with this colleague, why not ask like, hey, I really want to support you when these things come up because I know that it's awful for you. What would help? Mm -hmm. What can I do that would be the most helpful when you have these meetings that make you want to sit on the bathroom floor and cry? Mm -hmm. What can I do? And I think what happens is that we wait until 
that person is in crisis to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I know I can speak for personal experience. If I'm already there and someone asks me like, what can I do? My answer is, I don't know. And I'm not being spiteful or like snarky. I genuinely don't know because I'm so tired. I don't, I like, I can't even think about it. Right. You know why? I, what? (laughs) You know why? Why? It's actually because you literally can't think about it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you're, you're, when you're in that deep of an emotional space, your prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for higher order thinking and problem solving does not work. Yeah. <laughs> so it's literally like, you can't think about it. You can't know. So right. yes, that's, you should be talking about these things before then. Yeah. It's also, you know, people will ask in the middle of a crisis and it's like, oh, do you want this? And do you want this? Like, it makes you like, I want to scream. I'm <laughs> right. like, I don't know. Stop right. asking me. I right. have really no idea. Like, I'm not being like a stubborn child. I right. don't know. Right. Yeah. And so and I, having conversations ahead of time, I think is really helpful to avoid someone's head exploding. Yeah. And I think in those moments too, it's like, and this is going back to what we said earlier, like maybe that's a more urgent or like pressing situation. That's when it's okay to be a bit more active. Yeah. Right. That's when it's if like if someone is obviously having a hard time and you're like, oh, shit, like, what do I do about this? And you know that they can't really tell you. You might say, all right, so I'm going to do this. Let's try this right now and then start doing that thing. And if they tell you no or tell you to back off, then that's your answer if that's helpful or not. But sometimes like because we're not in that right headspace, you might need to be a bit more active and proactive as opposed to waiting for all of the green lights until you, because that would normally make you feel comfortable. Yeah. That also can help the person figure out what they want because yep. it's easier to answer closed-ended questions yep. like rather yes or no. than this open, like, well, what do you need? I don't know. Do you want this? I don't know. But mm-hmm. if, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Well, pizza, no. Thai, no. It's easier to say no than it right. is to come up with what you do want, right? Because yeah you're reacting emotionally, right? I might not know what I want, but I know if someone starts doing something and I feel worse, no, I don't want it. And so then we can shift to something else or nothing, you know, maybe that feels better. But I think that does speak to the importance of having the conversations about like, what would help? What would be the most beneficial thing I can do in X situation? And it's also knowing too, that anything that's an ongoing situation, like I keep going back to this work thing, but it can be, family conflicts that come up and are pretty regular, right? If you know somebody who every time they talk to their grandfather, they get into a fight or it's a really difficult conversation. Or like I said, if they have a chronic illness or you know they're going through a difficult time with their partner, maybe they're splitting up, maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe they're trying to figure it out. New parents, parents of not new people, but just parents <laughs> in general, mm. of both furry and not furry children. Mm-hmm. Those are just things that are sometimes hard all the time and to, for one, to one degree or another. And I think also the idea that if you know somebody who's close to you that has one of those things, right, that they're parenting a toddler, that they have a strained relationship with their family, whatever it is, that you just kind of keep that in the back of your mind and check in every once in a while, mm. whether in any type of like regular, if you put it on your to-do list every two weeks, or Mm. if, you know, you're making it a point to just keep a date on the calendar of like, oh, it's been three months since you got 
you got this new job, like, how's it going? Or like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I know you talked to your dad on Sundays, like, was this okay? It's like, oh, or I know this was your mom's birthday and she passed a few years ago. How are you doing with that? Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you haven't told me how your type one diabetes has been recently. Has everything been okay? Mm -hmm. Just, just ask. Yeah. Right. Because I think sometimes too, you know, that idea of not being able to know is that sometimes we are not good at checking in with ourselves. Yeah. And so not only do you get to help, you can also remind them to be like, oh crap, how am I? How mm -hmm. is that going? Let me ask myself. Yeah. We need that reminder sometimes. Absolutely. So hopefully these suggestions were helpful and you have a better idea how to support your people moving forward, especially during this insane time that hopefully one day soon maybe will end <laughs> in the near future. And if you have any questions, you can definitely connect with us. Um, we'll put the disclaimer that anything we will say to you over social media is not professional mental health advice, but hopefully we can at least point you a little bit in the right direction if there's anything we didn't cover or any questions that you came, that you had that came up while you were listening, you can connect with us at Viva Wellness NYC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to, please leave us a rating and review on the podcast listening app of your choice. Yeah. And we hope that you will join us next time. And in the meantime, stay healthy. Bye.